and welcome to episode 45 of Owen the Saints. I'm Patrick Serlis. With me this afternoon, we have Jack and we have Mainstone. How are you both? Very well, thanks, mate. All good, thank you, mate. Excellent. Great, great to have you um, chatting this afternoon. We're just going to be a pretty short podcast, I think, today, uh, recapping Saturday's game, a 1-0 win over Arsenal to send us into the FA Cup fifth round. Um, first of all, Jack, I'll come to you. What do you make of the performance? Brilliant performance. Brilliant performance. Um, a lot of a lot has been made of the Arsenal team making a few changes, but that was a still a very strong team that they put out, full of international players. And I think we played them off the park, especially in that first half. We didn't give them a moment on the ball. Um, and yeah, Alex Scott did a brilliant piece on match today, the way we pressed as a team with the triggers, the strikers as the triggers up front. When they go, the whole team goes and that's where the goal came from. But as a as a complete performance with with the limited players that we've got off, coming off the bench, that starting eleven putting in a brilliant shift and deserved winners. And it's brilliant to see us go through in the FA Cup, by the way, because I think you know previous years we haven't had the luxury of fielding a strong team in that competition because we've been concentrating a lot on staying in the division. But being where we are in the league, putting out a really strong team, it was a uh, it was great. So I'd love a bit of a cup run. Yeah, I mean, because obviously we made so many changes for the Shrewsbury game, but now. FA Cup fourth round, Ralph's obviously seeing this as an opportunity to go far in the competition, potentially go to Wembley. So we did put out a strong team. Like you said, not a huge amount of depth behind it because of injuries, obviously. We've discussed that at length already, but Ward Prowse again starting. He was outstanding. Ibrahim Diallo, I wanted to talk about him, Mainstone, because he, he just seems to have slotted in so seamlessly and, and is putting in performance after performance that's just fantastic to see, but it also begs the question, does Romeo come straight back into the team? That was my very question, yeah. Like, God knows at the moment, Romeo must be worried. Surely he must be <laughs> sitting there watching these performances and he must be worried because it's really, it's really difficult to take for him as well because he's done absolutely nothing apart from get suspended and get a slight injury and he could be completely out of the team. Um, and I don't think him or the fans or anything like that we could begrudge it either because Diallo has been absolutely phenomenal um, what a player I mean I don't want to say it too loudly because you don't know who's listening um, <laughs> um, but what a player I mean for his for, for his to be here for half a season and the age he is and coming from um, the French League to come straight in obviously it took him a while to get his first starts um, and the, the the Fulham game was a little bit of a bedding in process but that Liverpool game and since then it's just been Unbelievable. I mean, I know it was against Shrewsbury midweek, but he just looked like he's playing a different game. Really, really good. I think yeah. his age is a his age is an interesting one. In the Martin Simmons interview um, with BBC Solent, they were talking about bringing players through. Obviously, a difficult time with COVID. You need to rely on your academy. He's only twenty one, so you've got these players coming through like in Lundaloo, um and players like that that are only one, maybe two years younger than Diallo. And Diallo is slotted into that team. Brilliantly. Um, yeah, he's that, I mean, that track back on Pepe summed it up, didn't it? It did. It did. I mean, he. Um, we did an, an interview with uh, a league and football expert back in, I want to say it was October, I think. And it was kind of like an all you need to know about Ibrahim Diallo, um, what he'd been like playing in France, what style of football he played, what, what would suit him formation-wise. And and if you, I'd recommend go back and listen to that because the guy that we had on was was full of 
sort of um, great knowledge about what he'd been doing in French football. Um, and having gone back and listened to it now, all of the things that he was talking about in terms of his style of play, we've seen over the last couple of games. And it was a relatively slow start to his Saints career, not through any fault of his own. Obviously, Romeo came into the picture after we sold Hoiberg. And obviously, it was Hoiberg and James Ward-Prowse as our, as our first-choice partnership. Romeo came in and, and did an absolutely fantastic job during Project Restart and to start this season. And really, to be honest, I think I've said it before, but one that I didn't really expect him to be able to take Romeo to take his performance to the levels that he did do. Um, obviously a great player uh, and a very, very good squad player, but he took his level, his performance to levels where he was consistently one of the one, two, maybe first, second, third best player on the pitch every week. I didn't expect him to be able to do that. Now, it is unfortunate, like you said, Mainstone, because he's dropped out of the team through suspension, picked up a little niggle, and now it's going to be difficult for him to, to get back into the picture because obviously all prize isn't going anywhere. And it's that it's that other place that Romeo and Diallo are, are competing for. Um, elsewhere against Arsenal, Che Adams, what did you make of his performance? One one lovely run, driving run and a decent save from Leno. Um, I thought he looked bright. He did, he did. It wasn't one of his best games, in my opinion. The ball was bouncing off him a little bit more than it has in previous games. But yeah, that run against Gabriel, I thought, was one of the one of the poorer players on the pitch. Really targeted him, I think Southampton did, and made him look quite ordinary. But yeah, he went on that brilliant run, had a decent shot that Leno saved. Um, but what they picked out on match today, again, and what was quite obvious during the game was just his pressing. And, you know, that is an element of his game that does go a little bit unnoticed. He doesn't maybe get as many goals as he should, but I think the team is so much more cohesive when he's up there because, you know, he understands that system so well and that partnership of things is building. So, yeah, it was, it was a decent performance for him. And I guess Fraser Forster is our cup goalkeeper, it seems to be. Mainstone, what did you make of, of his performance? Obviously, didn't have too much to do, but did have that one save to make, I think, from Inketia with his feet that was that was um, the kind of Fraser Forster of old, really. Big, imposing presence. Yeah, I mean, you've got to give full credit to him, really, for, for getting back to um, <clears throat> Southampton after a good season away at Celtic um, and really putting his head down. He's obviously worked extremely hard behind the scenes in adapting his game because you can see his game does look a little bit different. He is a lot more comfortable coming off his line. I mean, his starting position is much higher than it ever used to be. Um, and he looks comfortable, like pretty much really comfortable uh, with the ball at his feet as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be going to be an interesting one to see how it plays out because we know how good McCarthy is um, but can we really have two goalkeepers of that ability um, at one club like where's where's the line going to be drawn with there because he, again he's been really good since he's been back that's three clean sheets isn't it that's Liverpool mm. Shrewsbury and now Arsenal for Fraser so like he hasn't been tested as much in other games but he's come up with key saves in, in big moments he has I mean just, just to talk about the defence, actually, because now five clean sheets in our last six in all competitions, conceding just four goals in the last nine games, all doing this without Yannick Vestergaard injured. Jack Stevens and Bednarak, how much credit do they deserve, Jack? Massive amount of credit. Jan Bednarak, um, you know, I think he goes from strength to strength and another one where you forget that he's 24 years of age. And I think this, his talent ceiling is so, so high. I think he... 
I wouldn't be surprised to see him at one of the top European clubs in years to come because he just keeps on putting in massive performances and coming up against teams with a lot of attacking talent and making them look quite ordinary. I think we've we've played teams this season that, you know, players like Calvert-Lewin and players like Callum Wilson that have been going on a little bit of a run and then they come to St Mary's and they don't really do much. And that has been down to, obviously, Yannick Vestergaard's big key, but Jan Benderak alongside him, I think has been colossus. He has. He has been. He has been superb. Now, FA Cup into the fifth round, Wolves away. We've got to be targeting now a, a, a cup run and, and we've got to fancy our chances of, of getting to the semis. Semis at Wembley, final at Wembley. We've got to be looking at this as a real real opportunity now. Mainstone, how much priority do you think Hassan Hootel is going to be giving to the, to the cup versus the league? I think they're going to be on a path. Yeah. Now I think you, I think that was evident to see from the team that he picked yesterday and and his attitude on the sideline as well. I, um, I was watching it without the crowd effects on, um, and you could really hear him really geeing them up and getting them going. And he, he got um, quite frustrated with Shay Adams a couple of times because obviously we know how Shay Adams is almost the the first point of defence and the first pivot. Um, and trigger point when we press and he was really really on top of him um, so I think he really wants it and I don't see why there's no reason why we can't go go quite far I mean we know on our day we can beat any side in the league like I say we just beat Liverpool and beat City last year so we we no team will want to play us um, mm-hmm. Wolves is looking like quite a nice tie now um, we don't know what it's going to be like in a few weeks but if their form continues the way it has been in the league they might start resting players on the cup games because the league's taking more of a priority to try and get their form back so yeah I think it's looking good One thing I would say as well I had a quick look at the prize money that you get from the FA Cup you get 61 grand for winning in the fourth round which is not to be sniffed at considering the finances mm. at the moment is it so each each round that we get through in the FA Cup bit more prize money um you know, pay, we are pay, struggling a little bit, aren't we? Pays for Forster's wage that week. <laughs> maybe not even that. Um, maybe not even that. Maybe, maybe not, not even that. that. But, but yeah, I think no, what, every, every little helps. Every little helps, exactly. And I don't think we can we can do this podcast without mentioning mentioning and comparing Carl Walker-Peters to Cedric Suarez. Because oh, of course, yeah. That's, you know, Cedric was playing left-back, I think, on Saturday. You know, he's not he's not a brilliant right-back, so just seeing him at left-back was, was double... You know, was was good to see, and I think Cole Walker Peters bringing him in, who's maybe six years younger, just shows what a brilliant bit of business that is, isn't it? He superb, was superb. Yeah, again, like you said, the goal came from our high press, but it going out to Walker Peters and then and then forcing the own goal from from Gabriel um, was fantastic. There's some quotes um, from Arteta after the game, speaking to B- BT Sports. He he said um, we had issues in the first half, unforced errors as a result of the high press. They do. Um, now we we did have a we did have a very strong first forty five minutes. In the second half, they did grow into it a little bit more. Um, but I was never too concerned. You know, like sometimes watching Southampton when it's a when it's a narrow lead. Now we've kind of got a little bit of a track record of being able to hold on to these one nil leads, and and it has been one nil recently, but just a one goal lead. Um, a little bit more confidence in our defence and in our and our back line to, to keep that clean sheet. Um, and they've, they've earned that with the performances they've, they've put in. Yeah, I think one key comparison for me is you remember the FA Cup fourth round last year when we went away to Spurs. We, we were at that game. Yep. Uh, Mainson, you were at that game as well, weren't mm, you? Yeah. But, you know, we had all the attacking talent, brilliant counter, counter-attack from Danny Ings and Nathan Redmond. So that was all on show. 
but just so open and shaky defensively and always looked like we were going to be cut open and always looked like we were going to lose that game. And I think the, the biggest you know, shift in Southampton's play from then to now is just that we are winning games 1-0 when we never could do that before. So we're a lot more confident keeping the ball. We're a lot more confident in possession. And yeah, like you said, if if that game was last season and we're 1-0 up against Arsenal in the FA Cup, we're not we're not holding out, but we're a different team now, which is good to see. Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting the um, <clears throat> the possession stats I saw because over the last like especially the start of this season and since Project Restart at the end of or back end of last season, um, we very much um, heavily based around possession football, especially in the build up of our attacks. Yesterday we only had thirty eight percent possession, um, and obviously we know what Arsenal do; they like to keep the ball, they like to play football, but it's almost like we changed our game plan to some extent to allow them to have the ball um, and maybe that is a course of us being more focused and more organised at the back and um, the fact that we are focusing more on that rather than keeping the ball Yeah, yep. so we, like you said well Arteta coming out with that unforced errors um, quote I think we that was probably our game plan wasn't it to give the players like El Nene and Xhaka you know let them have the ball in the midfield and then pounce on their errors so mm. probably the part of the plan Yeah. I think so. Now, obviously, we face Arsenal again on Tuesday. Do, how much of a are you expecting a very different game on on Tuesday, Jack? Obviously, I think they'll make they'll make several changes. They will without Aubameyang. Will be remains to be seen whether he he returns and but the likes of Saka that started on the bench in the FA Cup. I think some of those players will be returning. Yeah, and like you said, in the second half, they're a different team when they brought on Thomas Partey and Saka and they'll definitely start on, on Tuesday night. So it'll be a tougher test, but one that I think we still can be quite confident in getting a result because, you know, I think I don't think we'll make too many changes. I know it's quite a short period of time between Saturday and Tuesday, but we don't have the luxury to make too many changes. So I think we'll put a strong team out again. Um, but yeah, definitely a tougher test. Emil Smith-Rowe's been class recently. Like Saka, Saka was brilliant against us in the fixture at the Emirates early in the season and created the goal. Aubameyang's an interesting one because I think there's some personal issues there, which mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen being explained yet, but he would be a, a big miss for Arsenal if he wasn't playing. So I think we've got a great chance. It'll be tougher than Saturday, but I think we've got a great chance. For sure. Um, one thing I did want to mention, actually, we uh, we saw Shane Long come on. Um, now, I think we discussed it before, Jack. I'm not sure most of whether you were there, but Shane Long's role... I think I outlined a few weeks ago is when we are defending a one goal lead. Like that is literally the only time I want to see Shane Long on a football pitch is when we're def- defending a one goal lead, um, which, which we were against Arsenal. He came on for the last five minutes and it was a, it was a Shane Long performance, wasn't it really? Could, could have had a penalty. I think Ralph, Ralph said that he should have had a penalty. Yeah, I don't think he's wrong with that either. Um, but like you say, it's typical what we expect from Shane Long now, isn't it? Just a bit of hard work, fairly good in the air, um, runs hard um, and causes some issues at the back. I think that's that's kind of what we've seen from Shane Long for quite a long period now. Um, mm-hmm. And I know there's kind of building frustration as to when uh, we're in the fan base, especially on Twitter, when you see him coming on and um, he doesn't fill you with that much hope in terms of goal output um, goals and assists <laughs> but we know what he's going to do that's a very diplomatic um, way of putting, putting it <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think he served us well Shane Long he's not going to be here I don't think he'll see out the rest of his contract um, especially if we if we come 
um, through in the summer with a couple more signings. But yeah, got to love him, yeah. you? Kind of. That, that penalty shout on Rob Holding was a little reminder of why we do love Shane Long, wasn't it? Like mm-hmm. I, I think he's got a lot of stick over the last few weeks and months because he has been so ordinary when he's come on. But just a, a little a massive touch away from the defender and then try and force a bit of contact to win a penalty. (laughs) It's just like, that is the Shane Long that we know and love. And probably as an opposition fan, you'd think, how is that fraud just won a penalty? (laughs) So yeah, yeah, it was unlucky. Final thing I wanted to mention um, before we we wrap it up was, was Ryan Bertram, because obviously there's been some speculation around his contract. um, Well, around a move, potentially He's, he's out of contract in six months time at the end of the season. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Saints um, offering him a new deal and him, I guess, thinking about it. He hasn't signed it yet. But one of the things that did pop up over the last week or so uh, was kind of speculation linking him to Arsenal um, on a free at the end of the season. Jack, first of all, to you, um, what do you what do you hope to happen with Bertrand? Do you hope that he signs a new deal or how would you feel if it did end up being that he left on a free transfer? I think everything you read um, about Ryan Bertrand is that he's very, very happy at Southampton. I think he sees himself having a career after football as maybe, you know, part of like the board of directors or some kind of role like that. And I think Southampton does suit him massively. Um, In terms of contract at Southampton, I think he deserves a renewal. He's been with us six years and he's been one of our most consistent performers. I'd be hesitant to give him a long contract. I think we gave Shane Long a two-year deal, which we kind of regret now. I'd be hesitant to give him longer than two years. I think he deserves that, but I think we'll see him slowly being phased out the first team over the next year or two. So we definitely do need... Signing Carl Walker-Peters on the right-hand side has shown what a a brilliant young fullback can do to a team. So I think we do need that option on the left. But... um, yeah, I think he deserves a, a new deal and he'll be a big miss on Tuesday night. We haven't mentioned that. So Jake Vokins will probably get the start or Jan Valerie, which will be a big miss. So it makes it a little bit tough for ourselves. What do you think, Mainstone, about the Bertrand situation? Yeah, I, I really, really hope he stays. I mean, he's been such a good servant for us through very, very difficult times, isn't he? I mean, he's gone through ups and downs like there's no tomorrow. Um and I really hope he stays. I think in a perfect world, what I would love to see is him maybe sign like a, a two-year deal, um, three-year deal, and then towards the end of that, really start being a mentor to the next up-and-coming left-back, um, whether that's someone through the academy like Vokins or a youngster that we end up purchasing in. I think he will turn into more of a mentor um, and play the cup games maybe. Um, but yeah, I really, really hope he stays. And I think he will as well. Just to my my thoughts on it being, I, I'm not 100%. I don't think Ralph is 100% convinced about Vokins. Um, mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if we did look to sign someone and we did target that left-back position in the summer. Um, I think it's been pretty clear that we're not going to be doing any business in January. But um, in the summer, targeting that left-back position, even if Bertrand does sign a new contract, and, and I agree with you, Jack, I think two years is the length of the deal that we should be looking for as a club. And I think we probably are. And whether Bertrand is looking for longer, as you would if you're, you're 31, you want, you want that security of a three-year deal or even potentially longer. But from the club's point of view, do you want to be pl- paying someone that's 33, 34? Um, and probably, probably not first choice um, by mm. that stage. You'd like to think that mm. we, we brought somebody in um, that was on on a similar line to, to Walker Peters in terms of young, attacking, aggressive on the front foot. That, that Bertrand 
has been, and he has been fantastic for us. But I think you you have seen over the last six months or, or so, him just being a little bit more reserved in an attacking sense and getting forward a little bit less. And and whether that's just a case of him saving his legs a little bit, because we, we desperately need him because we have very little depth behind him. So whether that's just a conscious decision on his part to to stick a little bit more, um, to stay back a little bit more, um, not sure. But I think we will need to look to, to bring somebody in this summer and regardless of whether, whether he signs or not. Um, I think a key thing is... Uh is if Arsenal do come in because they do have a little bit of a history of signing players towards the back end of their career and giving them long contracts. So if they did come in with a three or four year deal for Ryan Bertrand, yeah. he'd be silly to say no. And mm-hmm. I don't think any any Southampton fan would say, why is he leaving? Because like you said, if you're 31 years old and you can guarantee yourself income for the next four years at a big Premier League club, he would definitely take that over a two year mm-hmm. deal at Southampton. Yeah. I don't yeah, know what's definitely. happened. I don't know what's happened to Arsenal. Like some of the decisions they've made in the transfer market, one of them obviously being Cedric, um, has just kind of been baffling. Um, mm. And they have given big contracts to players on the wrong side of thirty. I mean, Willian playing against us on Saturday is, is one you, that has not worked out at all. And and to be honest, that, at the time when they signed him, you, you wouldn't have necessarily thought that was a bad signing. But it's a hell of a lot of money to be paying someone that's thirty-two years old and. And really, he's looked a shadow of the player that he was at Chelsea. And that's the risk that you take when you sign these players that are 31, 32 um, years old. They, they've they've had that issue with with several players. And obviously, they've got Lagazette and Aubameyang that are both 30 or there, thereabouts. Um, that they're not the same players that they were five years ago, but you're paying, you're paying them as though they are. Um, mm. So they have made some very, very strange um contract decisions and and to be honest I think Bertrand if they did move for him would be another one that I'd question um yeah I know that they want him they, well the, the transfer speculation is that they want him as a backup to Kieran Tierney now from Bertrand's point of view I, I guess it comes down to the length of the contract and getting that security but his first choice at the Saints at the moment and he wouldn't be at Arsenal so something to consider for sure um but I think that wraps it up gents good chat thank you for joining me um, this after this afternoon and we'll we'll catch up again playing Arsenal on Tuesday night we'll catch up then um, and I think we've also got a little um, special interview um, which we'll keep under wraps for now but that will be going out on Wednesday after the Arsenal Premier League match Nice one lads have a good weekend Thanks boys up Saints Saints